This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Friday afternoon, January 13th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. America's major banks are out with their quarterly earnings reports. We'll break them down in our next segment. But right now, the latest reading on consumer confidence is out today. While the work of the Federal Reserve remains under scrutiny, we're joined by Carl Ricadana, chief U.S. economist at BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thanks for joining us today. Gas prices are lower, inflation is easing, real wages are rising, and that all adds up to a more optimistic consumer, it sounds like. Well, Happy New Year, I guess, uh, is the uh, theme in the data. Uh, Certainly, uh, I agree with all of the things you uh, laid out there, and so the, the trend is friendly. Uh, and that's why we see households uh, responding in a favorable fashion. Uh, but the issue is uh, inflation is down, but it has a lot further to go uh, before it's back where it needs to be. And so to get there, the Fed has more tightening to be done as well. So uh, that's going to be more pain for uh, interest rates, whether it's on your credit card, your mortgage or your auto loan. Uh, and that will uh, provide additional restriction on the economy uh, in the uh, first half of this year. So uh, some some favorable developments, but uh, some some problems as well. And that leads to the uh, delicate balancing act that uh, is now uh, in front of the Fed with one analyst from J.P. Morgan saying that the Fed has basically won the war against inflation and that the hiking cycle needs to stop. Is that a message that Jay Powell will listen to? I don't think that he's going to listen to that just yet. I think he's being very cautious not to declare mission accomplished when the inflation rate is still uh, multiples higher than where it needs to be. They need to get it back to 2%, uh, and we are running far above those levels now. So it's right to believe that the Fed may be in the final innings of the ballgame. Uh, But I don't think the Fed could stop just yet uh, as we see uh, financial conditions easing. uh, Potentially, we could see some reacceleration in the economy if they stop now. uh, And then that would leave the Fed stuck at mid-year saying we're done and inflation doesn't continue to come down. So, uh, again, things look favorable. But the, uh, the, the thinking at the Fed is maybe they can proceed at a slower pace. Uh, but they do have to keep at it uh, a while longer to uh, make sure that they uh, truly snuff out uh, the inflation pressures in the economy. The housing sentiment index from Fannie Mae also showing some uh, signs of good vibes with uh, sentiment improving from November to December. With uh, it's, a sp- it's still a small number, 21% saying now is a good time to buy a home, but that's up from 16% in the fall. I think that that's reflecting some interest rate uh, sticker shock on uh, mortgage rates. And so we had a big move in mortgage rates uh, earlier in the back half of last year, and that pushed the index down as low as it was. And then maybe as uh, interest rates kind of stabilized, uh, I think maybe there was a little bit of thawing. 
uh, in sentiment, but I would be very wary uh, to get too optimistic on housing market prospects. The Fed is tightening further. Uh, This is going to push mortgage rates up higher. Uh, We see in a slew of housing indicators, whether it's permits for new construction or home sales, or prices, uh, everything is telling us that the housing sector, we we may be debating whether the broader economy is in recession or heading to recession, uh, but conditions have definitely soured in the housing sector. uh, So this may be just a flash in the pan in this sentiment index you're highlighting. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, the latest on earnings in the financial sector. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. America's big banks are out with their fourth quarter reports. Let's check in with Dick Beauvais, financial strategist for New York-based Odeon Capital Group, based in Tampa. Dick, thanks for joining us today. Uh, What story are the bank uh, fourth quarter earnings reports telling us not only about uh, the impact of interest rate hikes, but also uh, their kind of uh, forecast for future economic prospects? Well, I mean, basically, this is a very good quarter for those banks. Uh, and, and it's hard for people to understand that given the increase in the loan loss provision. So let, let's assume we're talking about General Motors. And I'm telling you that, you know, car sales were up by low, low double digits in the quarter. And, you know, margins were up by 20 to 30 percent. You know, that's what happened to the banks in this quarter. Only they don't sell cars. They sell loans. Uh, loans were very, very strong. I mean, multifamily loans are up about 26%. Credit card loans up about 16%. Commercial loans are about 13%. In, in, in top of on top of the loans going up that much, you got this huge increase in interest rates, which allowed them to increase their profit margin on these loans by about anywhere from 40 to 50 percent in actuality, and that means that their net interest income went up in double digits. So if we just stop the story at that point, people would have to say these bank stocks are cheap. You got to buy them, and they'd be in buying. Uh, unfortunately, the banks according to accounting rules, have to make an estimate as to what their loan losses might be if there was a recession. So you see a big increase in the loan loss numbers. People get very frightened by that, and they want, and they want to sell the stocks. But if you, if you go into the loan loss issue in detail, you'll see that the number of bad loans on the books of the banks went down in the quarter. So there's fewer bad loans, but the bank is setting aside a bigger provision for bad loans because the accountants make them do it because of the assumption of a recession. So I think, you know, the people should be buying these stocks. I think they're cheap. I think they look good. I think uh, they should be owned. And, you know, if you want some specific names, basically you should go to the Midwest, Comerica, Fifth Third, uh, you know, go, go to Cleveland with Key Corp, go to uh, Alabama with uh, Regions Financial, go to Pittsburgh with uh, PNC Financial. That's where the money, that's where the investment money should go at this point. Yeah, basically, uh, to quote uh, Stephen Bishop, these uh, banks are saving for a rainy day in the event of an economic downturn, and they have to deal with cover a lot of uh, uh, loans that go bad. But it seems like the uh, the guidance going forward, the uh, the the belief that a recession is going to take place in 2023, they all still believe a recession is going to happen, but maybe it'll be quick, maybe it'll be shallow, maybe it just won't happen. Well, that's right, and I think that. Uh 
I, I know that I personally am sick of hearing about the recession talk, and I'm, I'm more interested in, in, in trying to decide where will the economy be going, assuming we have a recession or assuming we don't. Where is the economy going? And I think it's clear that the consumer economy is, is last cycle. Consumer tech stuff is not where you want to be. You want to be in basics. You want to be in manufacturing. You want to be in natural resources. You want to be in defense. You want to be in food. And th those are the businesses that banks lend money to. They don't lend money to consumer techs. They lend money on hard products. And if you're convinced, as I am, that you've got three to five years of growth in the business side of the economy, then you really do want to be, A, in those industries I mentioned, but you want to be in the bank stocks. Dick Beauvais, financial strategist at New York-based Odeon Capital Group, based in Tampa. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in this Entrepreneur Friday, a company that helps you upgrade your restaurant table. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and in this segment, we're learning about a new way to get the most out of your restaurant experience. We welcome in Frazier Nagy, who is the founder and CEO of Tables with a Z.com, based in Toronto. Frazier, thanks for joining us today. You know, you go on to uh, many of the uh, restaurant reservation websites, you get that table, you're ahead of the game, you're really looking forward to your night out, and then you go to the restaurant and they put you next to a door. And it sounds like tables is a way of solving that particular problem. Absolutely, and thanks for having me on, Rob. Uh, and you, you nailed the nailed the hit the nail on the head right there. It's just you know how many times have you been out for dinner and you think, my God, I would love to sit at that table. And you think in 2023, you know we're just playing roulette with our dining rooms. You make a reservation and you have no choice over it. They just put you wherever they want to. And, and I know I, I've managed lots of dining rooms over my years, and, and I would have loved to offer my guests that opportunity to pick the table that they uh, that suits their suits their needs. And, and how this works is that uh, it, it allows diners to do a 3D walkthrough of the restaurant dining room, and then you pay extra to pick the exact table. And it sounds like the table's pitch to restaurants is that this may be an additional revenue stream. Big time. So, you know, this is a massive revenue stream. You think about where restaurant margins are today you know, 5%, 3%, maybe 10% if you have a healthy one. Well, that's pre-inflation. So, you know, you and I go out for dinner, Rob, and we spend 100 bucks. Well, the restaurants may be making 5 $10, but people are willing to pay $20, $30, $50 to get that booth or that window seat or that patio seat, and there's no cost of goods associated. So that pre-booking fee might be worth more than the whole bill combined, when you look at it from a profitability standpoint, but I do want to just reiterate, like this is, you know, this is just for prime time. You know, what's so great about tables is that you can make a reservation at 5 p.m. and that table could be free uh, on a Monday, but at Saturday at 7 p.m. when that restaurant's packed and, and they're still struggling to make money, we want these restaurants to be equipped with with that tool so they can they can turn a profit. So, so the long and short of it is that uh, you believe uh, restaurants are leaving money on the table by not charging money for the table. Absolutely. And you can use that pun every day of the week. Um, you know, this is the largest consumer industry in the world, and it is the least profitable. But, you know, think of our restaurant community. They, they employ a disproportionate number of people locally 
how where they buy their food, the, the culture they create. We want this industry to survive, and we want this industry to thrive. And right now, they're in an absolute crisis of making money with with inflation and labor costs where they're at. And your key markets: uh, Chicago, New York, Miami, Toronto, of course, and others. Uh, how far, you know, where where can one find a tables restaurant these days? Yeah, you know, we from a from a business perspective, we've made a really important decision where we embed the discovery right at the point of where you're making that reservation. And what I mean by that is when you go on a restaurant's website or their Instagram, you're going to find that book now button. And instead of just automatically sending you to a traditional site, you know, like open table, which, you know, we work with, we don't, we don't compete. If you don't want to pick your seat, no problem, still use that system. But it simply asks you at that point now of your reservation, say, Hey, do you want to upgrade your seat? Like you would do at an airline, just like you do at a bulls game, you want courtside tickets, or do you want the nosebleeds? Um, you know, do you want to upgrade your seat or no? Thank you. And at that point, Tables takes over and, and helps you find that seat for your occasion. Again, if it's your anniversary, it's a business lunch, or it's just friends wanting a great TV view. There's a million reasons why you might want to pick your seat. So, you know, your your uh, your listeners are going to start seeing this more and more as uh, as restaurants across, you know, Chicago, New York, and Toronto are, are adopting this, uh, you know, at scale. Fraser Nagy, founder and CEO of Tables.com, based in Toronto. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in this Entrepreneur Friday, a a preview of Chicago's next major innovation event. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Trump Organization is fined for tax fraud. The CEO of Apple faces a major pay cut this year. In Entrepreneur Friday, a look ahead to the Innovator's Guide to Chicago coming next month at the Museum of Contemporary Art. And Chicago Restaurant Week begins next Friday. We'll update the dining scene in the city, WBBM business. The markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 31 points. The Nasdaq is up six and a quarter. The S&P 500 is down six. We have 31 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies, topping out at 34 today. Some lake effect snow showers in northwest Indiana. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. Two Trump family companies will pay a financial penalty for criminal tax fraud. The story from CBS News correspondent Stacey Lynn. They were hit with the biggest maximum fine possible under New York law. $1.6 million. Legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum says this wasn't a big surprise. The chief financial officer of the Trump organization pleaded guilty to receiving off-the-book perks in lieu of salary for many years. But he says it's important to remember. This is a financial penalty against the Trump organization and not against Donald Trump or his children individually. Stacey Lynn, CBS News. 
Apple CEO Tim Cook will take a 50% pay cut this year as the company adjusts how it calculates his compensation. The move is partly based on a recommendation made by Cook himself. His target total for the year is $49 million with a $3 million salary, a $6 million cash incentive, and $40 million in equity awards. Cook's compensation was just below $100 million last year. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. The markets are mixed. We're joined by Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group based in Cincinnati. Chris, thanks for joining us once again today. It seems like the market activity reflects the outlook in the financial reports we've seen so far this week, and that is uh, it's you don't know which way you're going. Uh, that's a great way to put it, Rob, and I think that can be said for a lot of investors right now that are kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for earnings season to really get into the thick of things here. Lots of question marks, and I mean, I'm noticing right now as I look at volume on the S&P 500 ETF, the Spider shares, the NASDAQ 100 ETF, the QQQs, volume's very light. So it's one of a couple things. I think everybody still wants to get into the heavier earnings reports to see which direction we're really going to go. And then the second is we're trading at the top of a short-term range. And just to add on one little extra cherry on the top, we're the Friday ahead of a three-day weekend. So I think volume is light, and this is how you're going to see it, just directional market for the rest of the day. And on top of that, uh, after a year of such dramatic swings based on small pieces of data, which uh, is usually outside the norm for trading activity, that maybe this is uh, a, a pre-2020 style trading day uh, where you don't have these wild swings based on uh, minuscule pieces of information. Yeah, you know what? You don't need to look any further than the VIX. If you want to see that, the CBOE volatility index, right now it's trading at an 18. Uh, Rob, that is the lowest that we have seen the VIX trade in goodness. Um, I'm literally scrolling back on the, the chart pre-2022. So that is telling you that the options market right now is kind of easing back on the top of the type of volatility that's made those moves so common in 2022. So Two things to be taken from that. It's either that we're going to see a quieter. The options market is starting to forecast maybe a little quieter earnings season as we make our way through and expectations are baked in. Or the other thing is if you're in a, uh, a contrarian, you're looking at this saying, okay, the market is kind of sitting back on its heels right now and add in all these technicals and maybe we're getting ready for one of those big moves to the downside, which always wakes the VIX up. And you don't want to make any uh, broad sweeping conclusions, especially on January 13th of all days. But maybe it seems that investors are finally getting a handle on the economy, that all of the kind of wild data points that took place in 2022 between oil prices, between inflation, between the possibility of interest rates tipping the economy into recession, that now that we have enough miles between ourselves and a couple of months ago, we kind of know where things are going. Yeah, I think that's true. If you heard one thing from the uh, the banks this morning, you heard that they're still looking forward to a recession. And that's not good news. But the fact is, if you ask anybody on the street, whether you're in Chicago, whether you're in Cincinnati, whether you're in Portland, Maine, they've all heard this story that a, a recession is coming. And at some point, as I've said, that's baked into prices. People have already said, all right, I'm accepting that risk. 
any other unknowns that are out there are the things that will pull the market lower. I do think that we'll see uh, the market challenge its recent lows, that 260 on the cubes. Um, but I think, given what we just said, the market's kind of expecting it, you'll see people buy into those bottoms. Keep an eye on Apple, Tesla, Amazon, and Microsoft right now. Those are the big three that I'm going to be watching over the next few weeks Yeah, the, the ba- a, a real tell. I was going to yeah. say, the, the banks have already reported that had the potential to be a big market mover. Up next is the tech sector. Yep, yep. We're going to see, uh, and especially I think you want to watch Apple. You know, you're hearing rumblings. You just reported about Tim Cook taking his large pay cut. We're hearing rumblings of slowdowns at the retail side. And let's face it, the consumer is getting a little more cautious. They're pulling in the purse strings right now. Um, Same goes for Amazon. And these companies, they obtain something that a lot of companies don't in the rest of the market. And that is something that I call redemption risk. In other words, if you think of Apple, there are more than 400 different ETFs that own Apple. And that's just ETFs, not including mutual funds. Something happens with Apple during this earnings season or Amazon, where they are these incredibly heavily owned stock or stocks. At some point, they reach a tipping point where investors are just selling everything. We hit that last stage of a bear market, which is you know the capitulation stage. That's where you're going to see it play out or on companies like that, even though they're down heavily. All the institutions and the mutual funds that are holding clients' money that are trying to just get out of the way of a bear market. They're going to sell those four or five companies. NVIDIA's in there as well, Google. And that's where you're going to feel the brunt of this, I feel, right now. Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group in Cincinnati. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next on Entrepreneur Friday, an event designed to bring together innovators and entrepreneurs in Chicago. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday. An event named the Innovator's Guide to Chicago will take place next month at the Museum of Contemporary Art. Let's learn about it from Luke Tannen, president and CEO of Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com. Luke, thanks for joining us today. What will you find at the Innovator's Guide to Chicago next month? Well, thanks for having me on, Rob. So on February 23rd, our organization, Chicago Innovation, which is Now in its 22nd year of educating, connecting, and celebrating innovators in the Chicago region, it's going to be hosting this event called, as you said, the Innovator's Guide to Chicago at the Museum of Contemporary Art, and it's the fourth time we're doing it. And, you know, its purpose is really to bring together all the major organizations in the Chicago region that have resources to support innovators and entrepreneurs. So this includes all the city's uh, major incubators and startup accelerators, or the venture capitalists and angel investors universities, membership associations, and and even government agencies and other groups that all have an interest in seeing Chicago's innovators and entrepreneurs access the things that they need to succeed. And, you know, in keeping with Chicago Innovations, innovation is for everyone vision. The organizations that you can meet at the event that day, they work with companies across all stages from startups to growth stage to big corporations. So it truly is Chicago's entire innovation ecosystem under one roof for one night. Every Friday, of course, we uh, profile different businesses on Entrepreneur Friday, and maybe you are listening to some of these segments and stories of success, and you say to yourself, you know, I have an idea. And Luke, it sounds like if you do have an idea kicking around your head, you do have some business acumen, and you want to bring that business to life, this is an event you need to go to. 
Yeah, 100%. And, and it's, you know, if you're thinking about starting a new business, but you're not sure how to get started, there'll be groups here to help you. Or, or let's say you've started a company, you've had some success, and you're looking to scale it to the next level, we'll have, we'll have groups to help you too. Or perhaps you're at the other end of the spectrum, and maybe you work at a big company, one of Chicago's billion-dollar companies, and maybe your challenge is about finding the best talent to further fuel your success. You know, there'll be groups to help you as well. And what I think is so exciting about Chicago these days is that there are resource-providing groups that help all kinds of innovators, regardless of industry or sector. So, you know, for example, let's say you're a tech entrepreneur seeking support. You can talk to 1871 or TechNexus, which will be there. Or maybe you make physical products. So you can meet the people at MHUB, which is an innovation center for manufacturers. Or, you know what, maybe you're in the food business. Um, you know, you can come to the event and talk to the Hatchery, which supports food entrepreneurs, or the Chicagoland Food and Beverage Network. And there's really all kinds of needs that this event is intending to address. So, you know, for companies in hiring mode, you will be able to talk to people at Chicago's universities like Northwestern, U of I, and Loyola, which will be there. And these schools are graduating students every year who have the skill sets that companies need today. Or maybe you're fundraising. And if so, you can come and talk to people at the Illinois Venture Capital Association or, or Hyde Park Angels or other investors at the event. Or you know what? Maybe your New Year's resolution is that you want to grow your network. So for that, you can talk to us at Chicago Innovation. You can talk to the Executives Club of Chicago, which will be there. You can talk to ARA and other groups. And on top of all this, the event will feature a panel of speakers who are leaders across industries who will be sharing their perspectives on why Chicago really is a growing hub of innovation and offering their advice on how individuals and organizations can find opportunities here. So there is truly something for every innovator at the Innovator's Guide to Chicago, and I am certain that Everyone who goes, uh, you'll leave the event with a deep understanding that Chicago has this amazingly collaborative, diverse, and, and rich innovation ecosystem. And then very quickly, Luke, uh, in previous conversation, we've talked about uh, kind of the areas, the sectors where uh, Chicago's innovation scene is really uh, bringing its resources and brain power to bear. And in, in previous conversations, it's been the healthcare sector. That's where a lot of activity has been happening. As we go into 2023, where do you see innovation you know, really uh, moving the ball forward? Oh, it's, it's going to happen in so many places. Certainly, you know, technologies like AI and, and blockchain, et cetera, continue to be important. Um, you know, Chicago in particular is such a B2B type of town. So I think we'll continue to see, you know, new solutions aimed at solving problems for businesses. Healthcare is going to continue to be a big one. We're seeing more and more companies investing in solutions that will be combating climate change and focus on sustainability. So you'll see it across the board. And, and I also think that's what's unique about Chicago is it's a city that has strength in so many areas. Luke Tannen, President and CEO of Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com, the Innovator's Guide to Chicago, February 23rd at the Museum of Contemporary Art. We'll check uh, traffic and weather together, and then still to come, an update on Chicago dining ahead of the city's annual restaurant week. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chicago's popular restaurant week opens a week from today. Let's talk about what's happening on the city's dining scene with Ali Marathi, restaurants and retail reporter with Crane Chicago Business. And it's it's a mixed bag, Ali. And I had a thought on the train yesterday, which was uh, basically packed. It was wall to wall people, or I should say, door to door people on the Union Pacific Northwest line, which was quite a contrast from a year ago around this time when the trains were still empty because of the surge in Omicron cases 
cases of COVID. Uh, downtown was still uh, fairly empty. But now it seems like all the activity has returned, but the uh, headaches have not disappeared for the local restaurant industry. Yeah, you're totally right about that. And I think it also depends completely on what day of the week you're coming downtown. You know, when I talk to restaurants that are serving lunch uh, downtown, they say Mondays and Fridays are still fairly dead because people are splitting their work from home time, right, and staying home on those Mondays and Fridays. And overall, the restaurant industry, just looking at recovery and how it's coming along since the huge hit it took in 2020, the industry shrank in 2022. Um, closures outnumbered openings in almost every month of the year, and the Chicago area had a net loss of 406 restaurants. Now, that is in contrast to 2019 when the restaurant industry grew by over 600 locations. So you can kind of see how, you know, the recovery is being hampered by inflation and, you know, other other issues. And it seems like the wraps were taken off all of the uh, COVID mitigation measures, uh, at least up to April of 2022. So now we're talking about inflation. We're talking about uh, finding workers, paying them, and all that cuts into your bottom line. Totally. And it's their food costs that are up, their labor costs that are up. And then at the same time, you know, customers are pinching their own pennies as well. So even as restaurants raise menu prices, it's not offsetting their own increase in costs. And with Restaurant Week coming up, I mean, there's a reason why it's in late January and early February, and that is uh, basically to goose what is typically, and this is even in pre-COVID times, what was uh, kind of a, a dead period for the restaurant and hospitality industry. You, you, you blew the doors off with fancy dinners out and holiday parties in December, and uh, then the winter blahs set it in January. Yeah, you're totally right about that. And it's trying to get more people in, trying to get eyeballs, you know, trying to get those dollars. And and what are some of the, uh, the you, you list some of them in your column today, but what are some of the uh, uh, startups in Chicago in the past year and maybe some success stories that are taking place right now? Yeah, totally. So there are some restaurants opening, right? I mean, we, we're looking at a net loss, but there have been some really great, interesting ones that have opened over the past year. Um, Le Tour is one up in Evanston. It's a new French Moroccan place. That's from Amy Morton, who is the daughter of the founder of Morton Steakhouse. So you've got that one. You've got Indian and River North. That does an Indian tasting menu. There's a bunch exploding in, you know, the northern suburbs. Um, Sophia Steak in Lake Forest opened last year, and Will Met had opened before that. You know, you're seeing a whole bunch down in Hyde Park. Uh, Eric Williams of Virtue opened Ta- uh, Daisy's Po'boy and Tavern. So you're seeing restaurants still open, but basically the restaurant operators are just sort of rethinking how they get money to their bottom line and kind of reconfiguring the economics behind doing that, maybe taking less risks, maybe thinking more about the ingredients they're putting on their menus and what kind of value they're delivering to their customers. Ali Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.